Good evening. Are we awake? Good. Can I start tonight out with a confession? Is that okay? Last year was my first late night uh, sermon to preach, and I almost passed out in the middle of it. Very true story. I, I almost fell asleep with my eyes open, and I forgot completely what I talked about and didn't know what I was going to talk about. And it was the longest three seconds of my life. You know, so fortunately, fortunately, the Lord was with me when he was, when it was able to get through. And you know how you can use that phrase, you know, bless their heart. Have you ever heard that phrase or use that phrase? Is it, is it ever in a good context? You know, oh, that person is so ugly. Bless their heart. Right. Have You heard that kind of stuff. And someone came up to me afterwards. Oh, bless your heart. That wasn't your best, but you got through. Bless your heart. I know what that means. Well, that was a great video, yeah? Well, it is late. I want to keep this short and sweet and to the point tonight, and as simple as can be, because what you saw in the video and what we're going to hear tonight is simple, simple, simple. But it is hard to apply in our lives. And we're simply going to talk about this L-O-V-E word that you see, and in the first line, one of the first lines of the video, Jesus says, I came to earth so you would know my love for you. You, you are a product of the greatest love story ever written because you're the first one ever written. You're the first one ever written. Our relationship with God is the first love story to ever be known. Take that in for a second is the first love story to ever be known. Now, let's look at the word love. Now, if you're a visitor here, you may have not heard this, or maybe you have, uh, but those of you who attend Bridgewood, you've heard me say this many times. When we look in Scripture and we hear love, we're not talking about the verb. We're not talking about show little love. When we hear love, we have to understand love as a noun, because in 1 John, we are told that God is what? He is what? Love. And that is a noun, and that should blow your mind. Because it's not, it's not the lovey-dovey stuff we know. That's, that's part of it. That's the emotional side. There's connection there. But if God is love, if he is the, the, the complete understanding of the word, then we, we begin to realize if God is infinite, if he's uncreated, if he has no beginning and no end, then we really, really don't fully understand love, do we? Because you can't fully understand God because he's too big, which is why through his son Jesus, which we, who we celebrate the birth of tomorrow, that's the reason why he came is so that we can have eternity to discover, to discover how deep and how wide the love of God is. That's what scripture tells us. And so it is a monumental historical event that we celebrate. Because we have God is love manifesting itself in creation through Jesus Christ. We were all made in the image of love, but we see love manifested in the life of Jesus Christ. Because he is the complete, perfect image of God. So when we look at Jesus, who are we looking at? God. We're looking right at him when we see him. And so... When we look at the Christmas story, many of us, who's heard the entire Christmas story, right? Most of us have, okay? Many of us have. And there's a portion I want to look at tonight because we talk about 
we talk about what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's what's given us freedom. It's what's given us life from sin. And it's what's, it's what's connected us with Jesus in such a wonderful way. But before that happened, he was born into this world, which is indeed his greatest demonstration of his love for us. Greatest demonstration. And so I want to look, and I just want you, I want you to use your imaginations, okay? And when I say that to a Christian culture, sometimes that can go all different directions. But understand that we worship the God who is the creator. He's got a pretty amazing imagination, wouldn't you think? Okay, so when I read this scripture, I'm going to read out of Luke 1 uh, tonight. I want you to just imagine, I want you to go back there with me at that event and picture in your own mind what the conversation is going to be like in the context when I, when I build that for you. Can we do that? Okay, so I just want you to listen um, and imagine with me for a moment. Here we have Gabriel, an angel of the Lord, is going to visit Mary. That in itself is scary. Can you imagine waking up in the middle of the night and there's an angel standing in your room? Right? No. It's kind of silly when you think about it. But if you believe in God and you believe in Jesus, you better believe in angels because they're, they're his ministers. They minister to us. And so here we have an angel visiting Mary. And this is what we see in verse 28. Gabriel the angel went to Mary and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Stop. Greetings, Mary. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Well, let's look at that for a second. Mary, most historians believe, is between 12 and 15 years old. Okay? So she's a girl. She's just been told, and as a, she's a virgin, she's about to be told that she's going to have a baby. She's not married, so she's wondering how this is going to happen. But let's, let's not forget, she's seeing an angel. So she's, at 13 years old, she's got to get her mind around that there's an angel of the Lord right in front of her. And then greets her so beautifully. This is a beautiful greeting because you have to remember... Kids didn't have much status in the status in the in the Jewish culture, and women didn't had almost none. Okay, almost none. And here a messenger of the Lord says to her, Greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Imagine that. If you believe you have no value, and an angel of the Lord, who's speaking on behalf of God, says to you, You're highly favored. Is that going to be puzzling to you? Right? Oh, it puzzled her. It bothered her. It says in verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Can you imagine? She has no one there to interpret for her. She's probably completely confused, terrified. And God knows this. God knows that she's confused. God knows that she's frightened. And so listen to what Gabriel says to her right after that. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Trying to speak peace in the moment because the moment is chaotic. Okay? Because when we read this, it just looks like, oh, an angel came to her. Yeah, 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 everything's good. She gets this message. Yeah, everything's good. I guarantee you that's not the reality. There's going to be some confusion. There's going to be some fear. And so, she, so he says to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. So he reiterates his greeting. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. 
And here, we don't see just what Jesus will do. We see who he is. And this is important for tonight, so that you know in love who he is. He will be a great, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. He was just called the Son of the Most High. If you look in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Most High is used in reference to God. That's one of his names, the Most High. And so here Gabriel is saying, hey, the son you're going to bear is the Son of God. Whoa. Now, how many of you, when you get big news, you've got to step away and you've said the phrase, I need to process this? Who's ever said that in your life? Okay. I'm a compulsive person. My wife, Shan, is a thinker and a processor. So when I drop all this stuff on her, I'm like, let's make a decision. She goes, I need to process. Mary didn't have time. She's told us what's going to happen. And what we see here is a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. And here we see what happens is a launching pad for her and Joseph to go on this journey. And we're going to fast forward through this. They go through tumultuous times. Okay, Jesus wasn't born in the Ritz-Carlton. He was born in a manger. He was born around animals. He was, he was not born in the most glamorous conditions. Conditions that would speak of humility. And then, after he's born, Herod's out to kill him. And Mary and Joseph are traveling. They escape to Egypt, so they got to travel. and they gotta... All right, Look, my wife just gave birth, and I can tell you, she wasn't ready to do a marathon the day after. She wasn't ready to hightail it to Egypt. So you imagine the traveling that she had to do while she was pregnant, the traveling she had to do right after Jesus was born. It's crazy, isn't it? And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, their love for him never waned. I guarantee you, there was not a moment where they resented him because of what they had to go through. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a person that doesn't like babies or say they don't like babies. When you see a brand new infant in front of you, that's not screaming and crying, especially in an airplane, but it's not screaming and crying. There's a moment, even and I've, seen, I've seen people who don't even like babies go, oh, and then they go back to bah humbug, I don't like babies. But there's that moment, right? And even if it's not your child, there is, there is a love that goes towards that person, to that, that child. Who's experienced that, even if they're not yours? And it's almost that instinctive feeling that you, would, even though they're not yours, you would give your life for them. There's, there's some, and they haven't done a thing. And that's the key here. We hear about what Jesus will become, but he hasn't done anything yet. And Joseph and Mary will do anything for him. Anything for him. That kind of love. I look at my son Emmett, and I look at Gracie. I look at Emmett, and I instantly loved him. Instantly. I loved him before he was even born. I loved him. And nothing he can do, good choice, bad choice, is going to change that. Not a thing. I might be disappointed in his future behavior. I might disagree with some of his choices, but it will never change the depth of love I have for him. Gracie, my daughter, her behavior, and believe me, it's been a little questionable lately, is not going to change how I feel about her. And so what Jesus says when he says, 
when he says, I came to earth so you would know my love for you, you cannot outrun God's love. I don't care where you've been or what you've done. You can't do it. You will never, you will never ever, ever lose it. You may have lost your way at moments in your life, but it doesn't change God's love for you. The fact that, he would, that God would part with Jesus so that we could have him, so that we could be with God in the end eternally is unbelievable. I remember um, praying into this message and looking at Emmett in my arms. He's a super chill baby, which is wonderful because Gracie's crazy. And he's just chill. And I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about how God allowed his son to come into the flesh and walk this earth and experience the things that we experience, experience the temptations, the heartaches, the sufferings, the trials, the temptations, and then experiencing the suffering on the cross, and then experiencing even greater than the suffering on the cross, complete separation from one he's never known a moment apart from. And think, could I ever give up my kids? I don't think I ever could. And so when you think about tomorrow, when you think about what that represents, it's different than this love we see on TV. It's different than a lot of the love we experience in some relationships. It's greater and deeper and beyond our comprehension. The gift we have received is a gift you cannot put into words. We've tried to put love into words. We've tried to put Jesus into words. And some, some are good. We, we've got songs. We've got poems. We've got articles. We've got books. And they enlighten us, and they bring some kind of inspiration and connection to him. But it's only a fraction because this love is so big, and it's so great, and it's so vast. It cannot be contained in a word. It cannot be contained in a moment. It has to be fully experienced for eternity. And so God gives up his one and only son so that we can have that eternity with him and know the depths of his love because the only love relationship that matters is between he and us. It's the only one. And do you know why I can look at my son and I can go, I love you and you haven't even done anything to earn my love? Is because he's mine. And you and I are God's. And so he loves us no matter what. No matter what we've done or what we will do, he'll continue to love us forever and ever. Amen. And guess what? Not only are we his, but we can love him the same way because he's ours. He's ours. When you look at the, the scene in the manger, you have wise men, you have shepherds, you have the animals around, and what are they doing? What do we see? What? Worshiping him. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't worship out of obligation. I don't worship because I'm afraid of God. I worship because I love God. And can we... Look at Jesus and see who he is, just for a moment. Just for a moment. Can we look at him and see him for who he is? Love itself, before he even does anything. Because what he does and what he's done is the icing on the cake to what we celebrate tomorrow. Because none of that comes if tomorrow doesn't happen. If God doesn't choose to give 
is one only son. And let me tell you this, the greatest moment of your life, and I promise you this, the greatest moment of your life is when you allow yourself to know God's love for you. Not just know it, but when you know it. And I grew up in a pastor's home, and it took me years to get to the point where I can even get a smidgen of really letting it sink in. And I can pinpoint the greatest moment of my life. And it was the moment that I began to allow myself to know how much God loves me, even in the midst of my sin and shame, feeling bad for myself, feeling pity, whatever. But I finally got that his love does not change for me. Does that mean I keep making bad decisions? No. It means I get closer to him. It means I keep striving to know him better because I've just gotten a taste, and it tastes oh so good. And what we celebrate tomorrow is that taste of oh so good. What we see on the cross and the resurrection is even more of that. And now we have full access to Jesus Christ for eternity. Those who call him Lord and Savior have full access, and it is oh so good, and we get to be with him and know his love for eternity, forever and ever, amen. And so we celebrate. This is worth celebrating. And we, we get lost in a lot of stuff. The gift stuff is fun, it's great, it's wonderful. You know, if you really want to challenge yourself, because, you know, some people during this season get motivated, you know, like around... Uh, we, you do your New Year's resolution, you get motivated to change something or this or that. If you want to challenge, if you want to experience the love of God, remember this, that when Jesus came, he came in a time where God's people were turning on him. It was a tough time. I mean, That's it, why Jesus came when he came. Because we were in desperate need. And he gave up what was most precious to him to a people that didn't appreciate him. So if you want to challenge, pour yourself, all your energy, all your intentionality, all your love and your grace, in a, and, and I'm not talking about something you buy, but a good gift, and give it to someone that either doesn't like you or you don't like. Someone that doesn't appreciate you. That's hard, isn't it? To give what's so precious to you to someone you think will not appreciate it. But yet God's love is not changed by that. He still gave us the perfect gift. And when I say perfect, I do mean in this instant, without flaw. Without flaw. You know, it's almost midnight and I'm pumped. I am. I am. I didn't feel that way at 5 o'clock, but I'm pumped. Because for me, even in this moment, it's sinking in. No matter what you've gone through, this is reason to celebrate because it's fresh air to embrace who God is and what he wants to do in you and through you. He says, I came to earth so you would know my love for you. came to earth so that you may know my love for you. Now, here's what I want to leave you with. I want you to pray 
And I want you to ask the Lord if there's someone that needs to know that love and needs to see his love manifested through you. It's a dangerous prayer because God leads you into places that we feel uncomfortable because that's where he lives. It's going to the places that need change, that need life. And if they need life, they're usually places of decay and death and we don't like going there. But God's calling us to those places so that people may know his love, may know that he came here again so that we would know his love for us. I still got 15 minutes, guys. I don't know what you're doing. I'm just kidding. They're telling me to wrap it up. Are you, are you getting this? Okay. Well, let's pray and give thanks for he is worthy. He is worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy. We bless your name. Jesus, we bless your name. Jesus, we glorify your name. Jesus, we worship you in spirit and truth. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, 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 Jesus. No greater name than Jesus. And we ask in that name, in your name, that your name would manifest itself through our actions, through our thoughts, that you continue to take us deeper with you, that no matter where we are in our walk in life, may we know as we leave this place tonight that we cannot outrun your love. We can't get away from it. We can't escape it. It will always be there. So would you give us the courage to engage it, to receive it, to not be afraid of it? It takes faith to jump in with both feet. So I just pray for those hearts tonight that need a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. Fill them in Jesus' name those who are feeling lost or stagnant, Lord, would you renew their spirit? May they know that they have, in this moment, a fresh moment, a new moment with you, to start anew, to live anew. For truly, the greatest moment of our lives is the moment we meet and begin to know you and allow you to transform us. And so, Lord, we just say, uh, have your way with us. And would you bless us? Would you bless us um, not only as we leave this place, but tomorrow as we share time with family, we share gifts, and we share conversation and time. May we not lose sight of you. I pray you would be the one driving every single thing that happens in those encounters. So we just ask that you continue to use us to expand your kingdom. And we just ask, Lord, as the offering comes by, that um, you would use it. You would use the tithes and offerings for your kingdom expansion, for what you want to do in us and through us. 
for your glory. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. I just thank you so much you love us, Lord. I just thank you for your son. In Jesus' name, amen.